0: Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Drockside! Hope you're having a great day today on this wonderful Saturday. We are going to start something absolutely awesome on the channel here today. Uh, As I said last week, we are going to start going through certain stories or characters, and we're going to talk about them uh, and talk about some cool things with Star Wars. So uh, before we get down to that, let's uh, go ahead and get into opening prayer, and we'll get this thing kicked off. So, Father God, we come before your throne in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that um, you have made this ability for me to do this podcast and that you have given us m- numerous stories to enjoy in entertainment. And I ask you, Lord, just to help us bring out uh, the best in some of that today. I ask you just to reach those who are lonely or feeling down and out. I ask you to make sure uh, that uh, your presence is felt around them. Your word says that you are our advocate, our comforter our strengthener, our standby, and I ask you just to do that uh, for anybody who's listening who's feeling a little lonely or down and out today. I thank you, Lord, for it. I plead your blood over the words that I say, the topics that we talk about, and the rest of this podcast, and, and and any person in the sound of my voice at any point in time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Star Wars fans, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite things of Star Wars today, and that is Star Wars Rebels. So we are going to be making a case for Star Wars Rebels. Now, to describe the story for Star Wars Rebels, I think we're going to have to do a critique for it first, and uh, then I'll explain why I enjoy it, and then I'll explain what is, or the reason why I think it's one of the best parts of Star Wars. So, back in 2014 when the show aired, I remember I watched the first episode of the series, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just made for children. This is not a a good Star Wars animated series, because I had the wonderful pleasure of growing up watching Star Wars The Clone Wars. So in Star Wars The Clone Wars was it started off as kind of like a family show and You know, it was on Cartoon Network But then they started getting into some really hardcore stuff So as soon as they brought in the Maul storyline and once Ahsoka got a little older, she started fighting some of the Death Watch uh, Mandalorians and started to cut some people's heads off and <laughs> Um, they got into some very serious, intense, and deep storylines with the clones, which is one of the reasons why I love that show, and it gave us a lot of background story to some of our favorite Jedi, um, that a lot of fans like. For example, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Yoda, Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, Plo Koon, Mundi, Luminara, and Dooley. Lots of excellent Jedi. So this show was one of the pinnacle parts of Star Wars. In my personal opinion, I think it saved Star Wars, uh from a lot of criticism because it made Anakin really awesome uh and it gave a lot backstory to him and and it uh introduced us to a character that at first everybody hated but then everybody loved but we've already talked about Clone Wars on this podcast in great detail and we're not here to talk about that today we're here to talk about Rebels so when I first saw Rebels I was like okay this is a little silly and I never I didn't watch the entire first season because I assumed it was you know It was Disney trying to get us all back into the love of the original trilogy time period, and it was just... I kind of at first rolled my eyes with it. But then uh, they started introducing characters from the Clone Wars series. Um, At the end of Season 1, we get introduced to Ahsoka, and in Season 2, which in my personal opinion is the greatest season, um, we get uh, Captain Rex, we get... Darth Vader back involved. We get Grand Moff Tarkin in season one and parts of season two. So we get a lot of really cool introductions of characters that are fan favorites within the Clone Wars in the Rebel series. And so, in my personal opinion, Rebels is a sequel series to the Clone Wars. And it is um, our favorite characters from the Clone Wars series in the time period of Star Wars that is the most crucial and the time that matters, which is the original trilogy which George Lucas made which is everybody's beloved story, you know. I I remember, you know, back um, in college, I was watching uh, Lord of the Rings, and you have Samwise Gamgee talking about, you know, the stories that really mattered. You know, when people had a lot of chances to turn it back, but they didn't. And you hear his description of that story, and you really start thinking about Star Wars Episode Four. So that so it it uh, plays for me a lot of the nostalgia behind. Uh, Star Wars, which which is excellent characters like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, you know, the Emperor, um, you know, Captain Rex, Ahsoka Tano, all these other characters, and they introduce us to some characters that are actually quite very, very interesting and very, very cool. Um, most of the stuff we get from Star Wars Rebels was concept art from the original trilogy, but I will get back to that in a little bit. So... Now that I've explained why I think Rebels is very cool, um, basically, for those of you who are are like, oh my gosh, he's one of those people, you know, he likes that over Clone Wars. The reason why I love Rebels is because of how amazing Clone Wars is. So because of the story that we get in Clone Wars that's absolutely flawless, you know, and then we get Star Wars Rebels, which, like I said previously, were characters that we beloved in... This entire universe who are actually doing something that actually really matters to restore what is good and right in the galaxy, which is the Jedi Order and the Republic. So that's that's the reason why I love the show. That being said, there are definite flaws with the show. Now, no matter what show you like, whether it's a sitcom, a drama, a you know murder mystery show, or shows like Star Wars that makes, uh, for example, like Rebels, Cold Wars, or The Mandalorian, there is going to be some flaws. You know, we are flawed beings. We're not absolutely 100% perfect. You know, unless Jesus made a Star Wars series, I don't think i would be perfect. But anyway, so we, we get down to it. There are a lot of character flaws, if anything. Not really story flaws, but character flaws. And lots of people have critiqued a couple different characters. Um, uh, one that I don't really have a big problem with is Zeb, but a lot of people don't really like him. Um, it's... I think I can, I, I can detect why. Because Zeb is a Lassat. He is a character designed from George Lucas's original creation of Chewbacca. So this character has very large eyes. It has kind of like a red skull nose and very pointy ears. So it's not the most... The drawing itself was not the most appealing, and I'm sure that if most of you look up original concept art for Chewbacca, it will show you the progression, and everybody will be taking a sigh of relief of going... I'm glad they chose what they chose for Chewbacca. But but anyway, that being said, um, it's more than just how a character looks than to what their personality is like. So, um, for example, Zeb is a character who mainly is just there for the strength. And I think the show openly criticizes that quite a bit. Um, You can see in one episode of Season 3, you have... A former Imperial technically protocol droid uh, who is named AP-5 go and say you know he's working with Zip is like I thought you were only there for grunting and brute force and sometimes he is but most of the time it's not um, I can see why people dislike him because they if they would have gone more into his story I feel like fans would have been able to connect with him better I feel it's just a big disconnect and how they set up his relationship Uh, with the main character, Ezra Bridger, or anybody else within the series, you know, we don't get to see everything that we would like to see with that character. So I feel like if they went a little bit further in depth with that character, people would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, To give a little backstory on this character, he is a... um, He's part of the honor guard for his people, and he was charged with protecting the royal family. And... The Empire decide. I, I'm assuming that they went and defied the Empire, um, because you have one of the main per, uh, antagonists in the show, Agent Callus, um, who is a Imperial Special sci or spe- Imperial Special Forces. Some like he's an agent who goes around to lead Stormtroopers and does the Empire's dirty work. So, um, you know, and the Empire has lots of people who do that. And we'll, I'll get that to that in a little bit here. Um, but when we're sitting here and we're talking about this. You know, Callus was one of the Imperial officers who went in there and led the Empire to take these horrible weapons to the Lasat people. Um, and basically, they're kind of like disintegrating weapons. They're, they're rifles that can kill an organic being very, very easily. And we get to see that uh, Zeb has some traumatic experience with that. And when you think about it, Lassads are incredibly strong. We see Zeb carry a Wookiee on his shoulders. Now, me personally, I think Wookiees are cooler than Lasat's, but it was very interesting to see that we have something that that is some character that's that strong. Also, their weapons are a combination of the uh, electropoles that the Magna Guards, or Magna Guards, excuse me, uh, that are uh, Grievous's bodyguards is what they're more common as um, within uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Episode three, Revenge of the Sith, you know, but it also can be conformed to a gun so it's called a bow rifle so when you think about it you know this character is very very interesting very very cool we get to see him uh, develop a brotherhood relationship with agent callus eventually and agent callus becomes a hero for the rebellion and deserts the empire within season three so we we have a lot of uh, these different characters who go through this type of um, character development which is one thing that I heard somebody say this, and I'd have to agree with them. Rebels has one thing over Clone Wars, and that is one continuous story. Clone Wars is taking place, but in in my personal favorite, one of the greatest eras of Star Wars, and it's it tells excellent stories, very very interesting plot, and ever and so on. But it doesn't have one continuous story. There's episodes out of order. Like season one, we had some a lot of different missions, and then we had season two, and then Star Wars season three was secrets revealed, so it's basically backstory to some of those other episodes. And so not every every single episode is in chronological order now we do get one fluid motion story of you know the progression of Ahsoka and Anakin and Rex and their relationship and Obi-Wan's significance within the Jedi Order but all in all it's not one like like it's not continuously this is you know each episode happens after the other one Uh, so Rebels uh, does do that and they hone in on, on probably about a dozen characters to give them excellent stories now um, so that's what uh, people who you critique to to Zeb, and I can I can see that. Although I still like the character, I can see why people aren't a very big fan of him. Um, there's a lot of critiques that can be said with other characters. Um, you know, for example, the droid uh, in the show is C-110P, and since you could technically make that into Chop, they call him Chopper. And I've heard Dave Filoni, who is the creator of the show, say Chopper, um, is, is, um, you know, different than any other R2-D2 unit that we've seen before. For example, R2-D2 is, um, considered, like, the family dog of the original trilogy crew, where Chopper is, uh, considered to be a family cat. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a jerk. He, he, he's kind of a butt in this show, so he, he's one of those characters that, um, most of the time, you kind of go, this character's really kind of annoying, but, um, there's a case to be made for him, um, which I'll get later into, probably one of the most pivotal points in the series, which we'll get into a little bit later here. Um, but I personally think the character is kind of funny uh, to see interact, and I feel like that's the point of the character. You know, this show is made for to be a family show. Um, it has very, in my opinion, some of the best Star Wars storytelling, but it's it's meant to be a family-oriented show. So if there's some kind of comic relief you know it makes sense this show aired on disney xd after disney took control of star wars so um but anyway so i grant that there are some characters that can be a little annoying um within the first two seasons sabine wren who is the main mandalorian character within the show can be annoying in some cases um before i understood what beskar was she got shot in the head or uh blaster bolt she shot from her pistol was deflected off of Darth Vader's lightsaber and it hit her helmet and it didn't kill her so I was starting to think that you know Disney was being a little goofy here with some of these characters but um it ended up being totally fine once I understood what it was but um Sabine is one of those characters that I personally think is very similar to Ahsoka in terms of okay we have a young female character who can be slightly annoying when you first see her but when you know the character's sto- story arc starts to unfold the character really hits its stride and becomes one of the strongest characters in the series. So, there's that. But I personally feel like the biggest flaw within the character or within characters in this show is the character of Ezra Bridger. Now, this is probably the major reason why everybody gives Rebels a lot of flack, um, and that's because uh, Ezra is a character who pretty much is stagnant until like the very last episode when we first see him, it's basically like a, um, I guess, worse version of Aladdin because he steals from the Empire or prevents people from stealing from the Empire, but they don't steal from the people he's helping. Like the first scene we see him in is he gets a comlink from the Imperials and says, oh, you know, and tries to distract them away from somebody they're interrogating who is just trying to sell food and you have to have your permit, you know so that it stormtroopers interrogating something somebody who really doesn't need to be interrogated because you know it's the empire so um but after that uh the guy goes thank you and he goes no thank you and takes like a bunch of the guy's fruit and says oh a kid's got to eat and runs off and he remains this very arrogant very um brash very i in some cases rude character like even when we get to a storyline with sabine Wren when she can Lead, lead her people by wielding the Darksaber and is willing to learn from, in my personal opinion, the best character that was created from Rebels, um, Kanan Jarrus. Um, he says, you know, well, she doesn't use the Force, so she can't really use that lightsaber. And then, you know, he, he gives her a lot of, a lot of crap just going and just basically belittling her. So, and that's his character through the majority of the story. Now, there are, is some arguments to be made, he does have a have this, you know, going from this like child, as Darth Vader would call him, um, Jedi to a young teenager Padawan who uses a Sith holocron and ends up kind of using the dark side a little bit, but he ends up coming to his senses because his master reels him back in, you know. So, so there's a lot of that uh, to be made within this show. Um, and, you know, the final episode, he fights one of possibly Star Wars's most crafted, like, best crafted, excuse me, uh, villains, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and sacrifices himself, quote-unquote, to save his planet and his people. Uh, but for the most part, he's very self-centered, he's very arrogant, and it's really quite a challenge to enjoy certain things within the plot of his character. But that being said, um, I I grant that there are mistakes within the show, but today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be making a case for why the show is so good. So I'm going to be going from high marks of each season and um, kind of explaining the importance of these characters and the importance to their role in the Rebellion, and so it'll be quite interesting. So um, before we get into the story, though, uh, one thing I did appreciate from Dave Filoni was um, everybody said, well, we don't see these characters ever in the original series, so they all have to die, you know, and that's everybody's first initial reaction, you know, when we saw Clone Wars, well, you know, Rex is never in the movies, so he's going to die. Oh, and Ahsoka is going to die. That'd be a really interesting thing to see, you know, um, how Anakin would handle his Padawan dying and him just fall to the dark side and, you know, so on and whatnot. So there's a lot of there's, that's everybody's first reaction. But Filoni um, doesn't think so. Uh, so the original concept for the Clone Wars was basically rebels in the Clone Wars period, but instead of Ezra being the, the apprentice, we would have Ahsoka being the apprentice. But George Lucas was like, nah, we gotta go ahead and have Obi-Wan and Anakin who are the heroes of the Clone Wars and arguably some of the, like, the two greatest characters in Star Wars um, within the series. So that's how Clone Wars was changed into what it was and then led to um, fans to appreciate what Dave Filoni was doing. So, within the first episode, I kind of described what we get an introduction to with Ezra, but then we get to see the ghost crew. Now, um, the ghost crew uh, entangles a lot of really interesting characters, because we have Kanan Jarrus, who is a uh, Jedi Padawan who survived Order 66, and became a drunken smuggler who would rob from the Empire and give to the needy, um, and in his words would be a noble cause. And then we have this quite, I would argue, one of my favorite female lead characters in Star Wars, who is Hera Syndulla. Uh, she is a freedom fighter who pilots the Ghost ship, which is another Corellian freighter, um, and it's and it's kind of it, it kind of takes everybody's favorite pieces of Star Wars and puts it all into one crew or family. So we have the Jedi character, we have, you know, the female lead character, we have the Millennium Falcon-type ship, we have the strong alien similar to Chewbacca, and we have, you know, the astromech droid like R2-D2, and then we have a Jedi apprentice and a Mandalorian. So that's basically all those different characters. You know, you have Kanan, who's the Jedi, and Chopper, the droid, and Hera, the the pilot, and Sabine and Ezra, who are the younger kids, and then you have Zeb, who is the Chewbacca villain, basically. So we see these characters firsthand robbing from the Empire, and Ezra tries to follow them and steal from them, and, you know, because he's an orphan and he has nobody to take care of him, so it makes sense why he's doing what he's doing, but as a character, it's a little iffy. <laughs> but but um, as we progress through the first two episodes... We get to see something we Star Wars fans have never seen before, and that is um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's message to the entire Jedi Order, when he looks at Yoda in Revenge of the Sith and says, I have sent a message to all surviving Jedi to stay away. So we get to see what Obi-Wan Kenobi says to the um, Jedi Order, and he says, you know, this is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is a warning to any surviving Jedi, um, you know, that, you know, the Empire is, I uh, regret to the report that the Jedi and the Republic have fallen with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. And then he instructs them, you know, we'll be we'll be challenged and trialed, but, you know, have faith, you know, uh, trust yourselves, trust in our friendships, trust the Force, and in time a new hope will emerge. May the Force be with you. So it was really cu- quite cool to see what that was like because we get a call back to obi-wan from the clone wars and we also get to see you know that new hope that's the name of the very first star wars movie which is referring to luke skywalker so we get to see this really cool element like the jedi's role within star wars you know we have kane and jairus who you know uh, is described as the cowboy jedi and i feel like that's a very accurate description when i first saw that i was kind of like oh is this a sorry excuse for clone wars obi-wan you know but when you actually see the character you can actually appreciate what Lucasfilm did with this character because he's more of a Padawan. He was maybe like 10 or 12 when Order 66 happened. So we got 15 years later, he's been a drunken smuggler who has been running with Hera for however long now. And she's the only one who really kind of knows. I'm I'm assuming that, you know, Zeb knows and I'm assuming that Sabine may know. Obviously Chopper knows uh, because he is Hera's droid. But, you know, he keeps it very low profile. You know, he does have his lightsaber, but he keeps it disconnected, and he mainly just uses his blaster. Um, but towards the end of the episode, you know, we see that Ezra steals his ho- his Jedi Holocron and opens it, and then they decide we're going to bring him on and, as part of our crew and our family, and we go throughout the series. And I thought it was very interesting to see that, that really nice bridge between the time period of Order 66 to the time period of, you know, I guess you could say what Obi-Wan would describe as the Dark Times, you know, where the Empire was ruling and there were no guardians of peace and justice. So we get to see this uh, development of a character who has hidden his um, true identity to remain alive um, and, excuse me, and get to see him go and develop into this mature Jedi Knight throughout the series. So I thought that was very interesting to see him open the Holocron and hear what Obi-Wan had to say because it shows how significant Obi-Wan is to the Jedi Order, but it also makes that connection from the, the, the past and the Jedi that all fans love you know, to the current time. So we get to see that, and then it turns out um, Lothal, which is where they usually steal from the Empire and give to the needy, um, and where Ezra is he was born on Lothal he was born on the day that the Empire was installed and it turns out that the Empire uses uh, that thing or that day as kind of like an Independence Day so they call it Empire Day and everybody's supposed to go out and celebrate and so on and we get to see that Ezra's parents were uh, those who spoke out against the Empire and then imprisoned and then killed so he's he's very much wanting justice for his family and for his planet which is a very noble thing to 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 do so um and then as we go throughout the series we see ezra being able to use the force and um you know a lot of the characters warming having a challenge of warming up to the char- to the kid and kanan attempting to teach um uh the ezra the ways of the force um and we get to see um uh trap by the empire that um, is oh hey you know Jedi Master Illuminar Unduli is alive, and you know most Star Wars fans you know we know we died we excuse me we know that she died in Re- Revenge of the Sith we know she did because we don't see her anywhere else we never saw how for example Shock T is one of the one of the most interesting and powerful Jedi in the Clone Wars. But well, we don't know how she dies. There's deleted scenes how she was kidnapped by General Grievous and then uh, killed right in front of Anakin and Obi-Wan, but that was scrapped out. Then it was, oh, no, she was in the Jedi Temple defending it and was killed by Anakin Skywalker, now Darth Vader, um, before his battle on Mustafar with Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi. So, we we really didn't know how Luminara unduly died either, but we know she's dead. But then all of a sudden, in uh, Rebels, they're like, oh, no, she's alive. So the ghost crew just chomps at the bit to rescue her and it turns out that uh they just used a hologram projecting system of uh making it appear like she's alive but really they just have her skeleton entrapped in this imperial fortress and that is where the main protagonist who is the grand inquisitor um he's the main protagonist of season one uh who is using that to bait and trap jedi so then uh, that's where Ezra gets introduced to the dark side. You know, he never heard that there was a dark side of the Force. And what was really quite fascinating was we get to see this, this Sith-like character. Now, keep in mind he's not because the Sith only have the rule of two. You know, so they, they only have the rule of two. So these guys are basically considered dark Jedi, if you would call them that. They're dark side followers, but they're called inquisitors because they're used to round up the Jedi and kill them off. And one thing was that was very interesting was to see Kanan fight this character and the this character critique him on, on his fighting form, which is like Form 4, which is what um, his master Depa Balaba used, and the Inquisitor quotes him on that. And so, throughout Season 1, we get to see Ezra grow as a uh, Jedi. You know, he speaks with Yoda, he doesn't see him, but he speaks to him through the Force at the Jedi Temple on Mothal, gets a kyber crystal, makes his lightsaber, and um, Kanan gets kidnapped, defending his friends, and he's sent to Mustafar where, according to Hera, she heard from Kanan that that's where Jedi go to die. So, um, I find that very interesting because that's where, one, Darth Vader, uh, you know, his castle is at. That's technically his planet given to him by, uh, Palpatine, and, you know, that's where Darth Vader was really, truly born. So I find that a very interesting and cool connection. And so the ghost crew ends up saving Kanan, and Kanan, thinking that Ezra was killed by the Inquisitor, takes Ezra's lightsaber and says, that was a mistake. And the Inquisitor says, why? Because there's no one else left to die for you? And he goes, no, because I have nothing left to fear. And I feel like this is probably the reason why Kanan is the best storyline of the characters in the ghost crew in this entire show, is because you get to see somebody who was hiding in fear now rejecting the fear and embracing the light side of the Force, and you know overcoming his evil and eventually defeating the Inquisitor, and he spares the Inquisitor, and the Inquisitor says, "You have no idea what you unleashed here today. There are some things far more frightening than death, or than than death. Excuse me." And so the character lets go and falls into an explosion, and uh, I believe dies. And so, and I believe that was hinting at Darth Vader because the Inquisitors are basically. Vader's technically apprentices, but not really, because he's teaching them how to be Jedi hunters and he's the ultimate Jedi hunter. So I found that very interesting. But just as a side note, this can the story of Kanan can inspire anybody who's going through anxiety, panic attacks, depression, whatever the case may be. You know, because he went through that and you can that you can see yourself within that character. And as followers of Christ, we can go ahead and be like, all right, I you know, I'm not supposed to be connected to the spirit of fear. I'm supposed to be connected to my Heavenly Father and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you know Canaan says there's something far more stronger than fear far stronger the force and so I kind of reflect that in my personal walk with Jesus saying you know there's something much more stronger than fear of any kind and that's Jesus you know and he says to the Inquisitors like you know that let me show you how strong it is and then he defeats him and I feel like we can say that to the devil and be like, you know what, let me show you how strong Jesus is and just unload the Word of God on him and obtain freedom and victory in our lives. So um, I thought that was a very interesting connection with that show in my personal life. Um, so that was the ending of season one and then in season two we get to see Darth Vader show up and Darth Vader shows up in full force. Vader goes and single-handedly takes on the ghost crew You know, he doesn't kill Kanan, which I find very interesting because I'm curious if he's trying to kidnap them and just make an example of them because Vader always has a reason with and he's very methodical with his, you know, with his plotting and planning of capturing and killing Jedi. So I find it very interesting that although they really couldn't defeat him, they were able to escape. So they escape Vader and Vader goes and realizes that the ghost crew leaves the Lothal system and he just takes his starfighter and single-handedly takes out the Phoenix Group rebel fleet with like by himself. There's like maybe two or three ships left and one main cruiser. And they all get away. But before that happens, Ahsoka says to Kanan, who is... So, uh, I'm going to pause here real quick. Ahsoka has gone and, yes, she left the Jedi Order, but she's been using the light side of the Force her entire life and eventually defeats one Inquisitor and purifies the Inquisitor's kyber crystals to get bright white lightsaber blades. Which I find to be very very fascinating and a very cool addition to her character. And so she goes and is known as Codename Fulcrum, who is basically the courier between all the Rebellions. So when you think about it, Ahsoka is probably one of the most influential people within the Rebellion next to Mon Mothma and Bailordana and Obi-Wan Kenobi by going and just being the courier between all these different Rebellion people because originally they were like, we, we can't do a, a, anything in a massive force because if we do, the Empire's going to destroy us all. But then they go, you know what, we need to actually build our numbers. And then eventually, within the series, they form the Rebel Alliance. So, so I find that to be very interesting. So Ahsoka's with, with Phoenix Group, and she tags along on the Ghost, and she says to Kanan, like Kanan, this person is strong with the Force, Let's referring to Vader in his ship, and she says, let's find out how strong. And then Ezra can feel the cold or the dark side, which is the fear, the anger, and the hate, which is the Sith Lord they faced, and she can sense that it's Anakin Skywalker. And then you kind of see they have this little connection in the Force, and Vader just kind of says, the apprentice lives. And then Ahsoka kind of screams and passes out. And then they're like, oh my gosh, you know, so, and then at the end of the episode, you know, they go, okay, we have to figure out how we're going to stop Vader, and that becomes their main mission within Season 2. And so, the Rebels need to get more allies, so I personally think the thing, this segment of Star Wars Rebels is probably my favorite thing in Star Wars, which is, you get to see the Ghost crew find Captain Rex, Commander Wolf, and Commander Gregor, who are fan-favorite clone troopers, who decided to take their inhibitor chips out, not commit Order 66, and betray the Jedi? And in the Ahsoka novel, it is said that Rex helps Ahsoka escape Order 66, and they both go undercover and just and make make it appear that they killed each other in a fight, so that Palpatine isn't even, you know, the the or the Empire in their minds can't even recognize what's going on. So. They they find this out. Kanan has trust issues with the clones because the clones killed his master, so he's having grudge issues there. And then we get to see these clones fight a uh, rendition of AT-AT walkers, or AT-ATs, whichever one you prefer. So they uh, go on and fight them, but then Kanan and the rest of the uh, Ghost crew help save their lives and bring Rex back to be re- reunited with Soka. Some of my favorite things in Star Wars, absolutely phenomenal. And so we have this, not only a light side force user courier, we uh, have a whole crew of amazing characters which include Jedi and a clone captain who is fighting to restore the Republic that he valued so much. And he's serving the Jedi who he uh, looks up to and admires so much. And I feel like what's driving him to do this is, you know, basically what would his mentor and friend, Anakin Skywalker, want to do, or he's doing it for Ahsoka because he cares for her so much. And we get to see throughout the series these characters form a deeper connection. We get to see uh, Kanan and Rex become friends and not hate um, each other because Rex is basically defending himself. They just don't get along because Kanan doesn't like Rex. But it's really quite interesting because you see an episode where they're playing... I forget what the, it's called, but um, it's basically like hologram chess. And Rex beats Zeb in a game, and then um, Kanan and Rex play. And Rex is basically trying to teach Kanan and is showing compassion to him, even though he knows that Kanan hates clone troopers and doesn't trust them. Which I think adds another really cool feat to his character. So, and as we go throughout the rest of the series we get introduced to hondo onaka who is a pirate uh weak way or for those of you who don't know what that is it's basically the rock people who are there with dreadlocks in jabba the huts palace um if you've seen star wars you know exactly who i'm talking about he's the infamous pirate leader from Florum in the clone wars and now we kind of see that since the empire took over he's just kind of going it alone because his crew was killed um, so we get to see him form a relationship with Ezra Bridger, and we get to see, you know, in season two, the Inquisitors appear in this series as, you know, as a Hydra creature, you know, cut off one head, two more take it take its place, because the Grand Inquisitor's killed, then we get to see two more show up, which is the fifth brother and seventh sister, and so they, they're hunting down the uh, ghost crew, mainly Kanan and Ezra, and eventually, our Jedi-type characters, Kanan, Ahsoka, and Ezra, all go to the Jedi Temple on Lothal. And Ezra speaks with Yoda, and Yoda says, find the planet Malachor. Uh, Kanan gets knighted by some mysterious uh, character who appears to be a Jedi Temple Guard, but then you, it's revealed that the Grand Inquisitor was once a Jedi Temple Guard, and he's the one who knights Kanan. And it's never explained if he just he survived that and redeemed himself, or if he... Uh, in the force was redeemed and just chose to be a jedi again or if it's just the force knighting him either way it was a very interesting scene but then the inquisitors show up and then the empire gets a hand on this jedi temple and then our uh, rebel cell phoenix group finds a new planet called atalon um, to call their their home and then we have possibly one of the greatest Uh, cinematography in Star Wars happen in the season finale of Season 2 of Rebels, which is you have our Jedi characters go to Malachor they find a Sith temple there, and Ezra runs into Darth Maul while we get introduced to the 8th brother Inquisitor, so now we have three Inquisitors out here and uh, Ahsoka and Kanan kidnap him he's like, oh I'm hunting a shadow um, which is a reference to Darth Maul so uh, Ezra, uh, and Maul go into the Jedi Temple, or excuse me, Sith Temple, take the Holocron, and it, it looks like Darth Maul is just pulling the strings the entire way throughout this entire, uh, series of episodes, which I find very interesting because, you know, kind of another connection to the Bible and Christianity, we got, um, this very devilish looking character deceiving the one who is not vigilant and not um, paying attention to the devices that he has and he convinces Ezra to just be more dark side like and he almost forces Ezra to kill the seventh sister Inquisitor and Ezra's like oh I can't do it and then Maul kills her and says if you hesitate like that again I'll kill your friends or yourself and so we get to see that he goes oh put the holocron in the obelisk of the temple and you can gain the knowledge that you seek because that's the whole point is to find knowledge but the Jedi can't open the Sith Halicron because you have to use the dark side. And the Jedi are like, well, we're not going to use that. And so so we get to see this uh, very interesting series of events where Maul is pulling the strings to get what he wants. And Kanan can see it, but Ezra's like, oh, he he sees what I can be. You don't. And it, you can tell that he's playing right into Maul's hands. And so I feel found that to be very interesting that if you give the time to our adversary, the devil, as the Bible says, as he goes about like a roaring lion, not that he is one, but if you give him any way, he's going to mess up your life. And we get to see what ends up happening because they listen to Maul. Um, Vader eventually shows up. uh, Maul kills uh, the rest of the Inquisitors, and then he says uh, to Ezra, go go ahead and put the uh, holocron in the obelisk of the temple. And then... um, Maul's like, here, I'll go help the rest of our companions. So he kill, helps kill the other two Inquisitors, and then Kanan asks him, where's Ezra? And then Maul goes, you mean my apprentice? And him and Kanan and Ahsoka just look at each other like, what? And then Maul takes his lightsaber and swings at Kanan's head, and although Kanan blocks it, the lightsaber strike still hits Kanan in, in the face and blinds him. And so hi- Ahsoka and Maul kind of duke it out a little bit, and then, uh, what I find to be really cool is, is that Kanan takes a Jedi Temple Guard mask that he found on one of the, uh, uh, bodies laying around, because it sounds really graphic, but it looks like the Jedi tried to take down the Sith Temple, but the Sith used a weapon that made, basically made everybody turn to stone or ash. It's kind of like a description of what happened to, uh, Pompeii in history, and so... It's very, very interesting to see that. But Kanan finds a Jedi Temple Guard mask, puts that on, and Ahsoka go he says, go get Ezra. And Ahsoka goes up there to save Ezra. And then Maul chuckles and says, I'll make this quick, meaning that he'll kill Kanan. But Kanan goes and uh, very methodically defeats Maul, even though he's blind. And then Ahsoka runs to the top to find Vader confronting Ezra when Ezra put put the holocron into the obelisk of the temple and the temple is like oh the power to destroy life is at your command and he's like I didn't want that I just want knowledge you know so then uh Vader shows up owns Ezra very easily is about to kill him and then Ahsoka stops him and they start having this discussion which is probably one of the most heart-moving scenes in Star Wars because you see these characters who have gone two completely different paths once again like father and daughter talking you know and so we get to see her say you know uh you know you're you wouldn't be the first time you were wrong and then Vader says you know we don't need to be adversaries we can be friends you can join the empire and she says no i'm not going to do that you know and uh he's like your life can be spared if you tell me where the jedi are and she goes there are no jedi you and your inquisitors have seen to that and then she's like i used to think i believed who you were behind that mask but it's impossible my master could be would never be as vile as you and vader just says to him or to ahsoka excuse me uh he says anakin skywalker was weak i destroyed him and ahsoka says then i will avenge his death and he, and Vader responds with revenge is not the jedi way And she says, I am no Jedi. And they have one of the coolest lightsaber fights in all of animated Star Wars history, in my opinion. It was absolutely phenomenal. And then Kanan and Ezra manage to get the holocron out of the obelisk, and Ahsoka sacrifices herself to distract Vader to make sure that they live. And so we see at the end of the episode, Vader is exiting the temple, and then we get to see the ghost crew reunited with our Jedi companions. Rex mourns the loss of Ahsoka and we find out that Ezra opens the Sith holocron. So Ezra dabbles in the dark side a little bit because his master's blind, he, um, and Ahsoka, um, is dead. So because of what he did, and he listened to the devilish character, who eventually escapes, um, on this, uh, Inquisitor TIE fighter, um, and he allowed him to wreck his friends and his life. So it's a very interesting and, uh, very powerful segment of episodes and I highly recommend you guys watching it even if you don't watch the whole series just watch that um I also enjoy it because I'm looking at it uh you know Rex says to Ahsoka may the force be with you we never hear any other clones say that we also see how Rex is mourning the loss of his friend and I think that he remains with the rebellion specifically because he goes this is what Ahsoka would have wanted it's never confirmed in the show but knowing how close those characters are I easily can see that being the case so so I found that to be very interesting. In Season 3, Season 3 didn't have much of a great opening as uh, Season 2 did, but Season 3 had something hugely monumental to Star Wars fans, which is the reveal that Grand Admiral Thrawn was the main villain. Grand Admiral Thrawn is a character created by Timothy Zahn, and he is a blue, blue-skinned, red-eyed alien known as the Chiss, and he is known for his love of art and decoding of other people's battle strategies to defeat them and bring honor to or just results and victory for the emperor so it's a very he's a very methodical and very significant villain in star wars and just to have him be in the show i think gave the show a lot more credit so we get to see a lot of really interesting episodes we get to see how ezra and kanan's relationship develops because kanan's blind and now is kind of wallowing in self-pity he's kind of where thor is at in endgame just kind of depressed and distancing himself from everyone and we get introduced to this character named the bendu which is basically a mountainous kind of moose looking character but he is known as the one in the middle so he can use both the light and the dark side but he helps kanan see within himself and he said kanan says you know anger grief fear that's how the creatures that were around him that he was using to help him see Um, that's how they see me. That's, he's like, that's how I see myself. He says, I distance myself from everyone and the force, too. So it shows that, again, that you can easily retreat within yourself and not go to your family and your friends that God has placed into your life. Or, you know, or even, you know, distance yourself from God just because out of guilt and shame. And, which is something you never should be feeling because God's always there to help you and he wants to embrace you and give you back your joy in your life and in this case you know of the story your vision back in life and i feel like that's uh something everybody can relate to so um the bendu character helps kanan see and he helps save ezra from his arrogant uh attitude and kanan gives bendu the dark side holocron and then they run into maul and they combine both kanan's jedi holocron and the Sith holocron, to find out, you know, Ezra wants to know uh, the secret to destroying the Sith, and Maul wants to find Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is his ultimate nemesis, because Obi-Wan is the one who lopped him in half and took his legs away from him. So, we get to see that, and we get to see, you know, oh, twin sons. So, we get to figure out where Obi-Wan is, that he's alive, and Obi-Wan is, uh, according to Ezra, the key to destroying the Sith which I totally believe, and I can get to that here in a minute, but I find it very interesting to see how they included... I think in in Clone Wars, Maul was an okay character. I felt like it was unnecessary to bring him back in the Clone Wars, but how they used him in Rebels, I feel makes up for it. And so we get to see that. We get to see Sabine Wren wield the Darksaber uh, and lead her people, and we get to see a very good family reunion uh, for her and her family, and how they fight the Imperial Mandalorians. Excellent story there, uh, but I think we'll skim over that for just for time's sake. And we also get to see how Thrawn is methodically placing up the chessboard to defeat the Rebels, because he's thinking that Phoenix Squadron is the entire rebellion, and they're going to launch a attack on the Thai Defender Project, which is a basically a three-winged high fighter instead of two wings that has a hyperdrive and shield generators so basically this ship can last for however long you want it to and can protect itself so it makes it a very big threat and so um thrawn ends up showing up uh figuring out that agent callus has taken on the role of fulcrum and defeats him kidnaps him and then goes to adalon and almost wipes out phoenix group but phoenix group escapes And Joins the rest of of the rebellion that is formed by Mon Mothma um, On Yavin 4 so we get to see throughout season three uh, basically the buildup of the seriousness of Grand Admiral Thrawn and One thing I found very interesting was is that Ezra goes to warn Obi-Wan Kenobi before this 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 is the episode before the season finale where Thrawn destroys Phoenix group practically and he he goes and um, tries to warn Obi-Wan against orders that Maul is coming to to, to kill him. And then uh, he finds Kenobi. Kenobi says, you know, Maul manipulated you. He used your desire to do good to um, manipulate you. And Obi-Wan claims that he's not the key to destroying the Sith. Maul just uh, wanted to go and uh, use Ezra to get what he wanted. And now the only one who gained anything from it was Maul. And so... Obi-Wan and Maul have one final battle, and Obi-Wan uses the technique uh, that his master Qui-Gon Jinn used, and Maul was going to do the same move on Obi-Wan to kill him, which is hit him with the double-bladed lightsaber, turn around and stab him in the stomach. But Obi-Wan just went and cut the blade, uh, the handle of the blade right down the middle, and cut Maul's chest, killing him. So Maul officially was killed, no longer to return. And Maul says to him before he dies, he says, tell me, is the one you're protecting the Chosen One? And Obi-Wan says, he is. And Maul says, he will avenge us. And Obi-Wan nods, and Maul dies. So I feel like, um, as a Star Wars fan, this was a very awesome moment, just because we get to see not only a a very well-balanced... It makes Obi-Wan Kenobi from the prequels and the originals, like, the mixture between the two, very believable. Because it... He does a lot of the same moves and battle stances as Obi-Wan does in the prequels, but it looks and sounds just like Alec Guinness from the original series. And so I thought it was a very, very cool cool story, and it was a good send-off for Maul, excellent battle, very cool. And so Season 4 basically is Ezra saving his homeworld, and now the actor for Kanan knew, he says, that he he believed that uh, his character Kanan needed to die before um, the series ended because all the Jedi were there was no Jedi remaining by the time of Episode Four. So the creators of Rebels gave him a very satisfying end. He cuts his hair, removes his mask, shaves his beard, and goes and basically like a samurai just takes everything of importance from themselves to sacrifice themselves because his the woman that he's in love with Hera. Um, was captured by the Empire when they attempt when the rebellion attempted to attack the Tie Defender factory, but the Empire annihilated them. And Kanan sacrifices himself to save the woman that he loves. And um, what ends up happening is is they get up on top of the central fuel po- fuel pod, which is the fuel that is supplying the factory to make Thrawn's secret weapon, the Tie Defender, and governor price who is the woman who is working for the emperor uh or the empire who is the governor of uh ezra's home planet of lathal and uh she says she's in an ATAT and says target that fuel pod now and because that's where they're on and uh the the uh imperial officer driving it says but sir the fuel she goes i gave you a direct order now do it and so he does it and it Causes an explosion. Now, before this happens, Hera was injected with basically Star Wars truth serum and was acting a little loopy. But she finally gets out of it when they get on the fuel pod, and she says, "I know what to say now, Kanan." She says, "I love you," and they kiss. And it was something that all the fans wanted to see happen because we knew that it was it was hinted at that they were a romantic couple, but it was really really quite beautiful to see that actually come to fruition. And then right after that happens. Price orders them to shoot at the fuel pod and it causes a huge explosion. Now, Kanan, this continues to show that Kanan is a very powerful Jedi because he was not only able to do things that every other Jedi could do while blind, like force jump off of jet troopers, slicing their jetpacks and taking them down, fighting uh, stormtroopers, walkers, you name it. Um, he could fight them while being blind, but he was also able to... Save Hera and stop a huge explosion from killing her and Ezra and Sabine, who came up to pick them up and save their lives. And she runs after him, saying, Kanan! And he uses the Force to hold her back, and he looks back at her, and then he gets his vision one last time to see the woman that he loves. The Force pushes her back into the ship and saving the lives of uh, the woman that he loves. Um, his apprentice, and, an, and another young Mandalorian he trained. And he becomes one with the Force. So it was a, such a powerful, heartbreaking, but satisfying end to a beloved character. And But we know he becomes technically a Force ghost because we hear his voice in Star Wars The Last Skywalker. Or, excuse me, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> excuse me. And so um, after Kanan sacrifices himself, the Ghost crew go to the Jedi Temple, find the world between worlds which is I can relate to people who don't like it but it's it's how they kind of had a little bit of time travel in Star Wars because Dave Filoni says you know the force is living it's all around us so it's easy to just be able to go ahead and save people and so I, it, I get where people dislike it but I found it interesting because it was able to save Ahsoka and Ezra had the opportunity to save Kanan's life but chose not to because everybody would have died so basically kind of says, yes, you can you, you can save a life, you can, but if you alter history, it would cause more harm than good. And then we see Palpatine, who's voiced by Ian McDiarmid, the man who acts and portrays him in the live-action series, attempt to get into the world between worlds so that he can control everything, but Ahsoka and Ezra escape and stop him from doing everything. And by closing the portal, the temple basically consumes itself, along with all the Imperial officers trying to decode it and get into it. And then Ezra's inspired. He knows what he has to do now. He uh, confronts evil and um, saves his home planet and um, uses uh, basically the creatures that um, can travel at light speed and were sentient beings of Star Wars found them and uh, were able to create Lightspeed, um to teleport himself and Grand Admiral Thrawn on Grand Admiral Thrawn's ship away from Lothal, removing the Empire from his home world and sacrificing himself to save the planet and the people and the, his family that he loves. So that was probably the best part for both Kanan and Ezra, and I feel like it was a very satisfying end to connect all the dots. I also found it very nice just to see... In the opening crawl of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, they said the fir- the the Rebellion's first victory against the Empire is them getting the Death Star plans. So Rogue One's their first victory against the Empire. So when we have... Excuse me. So when they have the moment where the Rebels go to save Lothal and fail, um, it was very nice to see that, but then it was also nice to see that the Rebellion... Like, the Rebel Command didn't issue this. It was just friends of Ezra Bridger, which include the Ghost Crew, Captain Rex, Commander Wolf, and Commander Gregor, and Agent Callis, and Hondo Onaka, and a couple other pirate characters that he, or other bounty hunter characters. So basically, all the beloved characters we've seen from the show are here to help Ezra. And it was really, really cool. One of my favorite things is, is that they confirmed that Captain Rex is the bearded... Uh, guy on Endor in Return of the Jedi um, because you see him in that and we get a very nice send-off to each of these characters and we get a very nice send-off to these characters by getting a monologue from Sabine Wren saying you know Ezra told me to remember to do the one thing he asked and she interpreted that as protecting the people that he loved so much and Zeb follows suit and I believe Rex does for the most part, but eventually Hera, Chopper, the Ghost, and Rex all play pivotal roles within the rebellion because she says, you know, after the war, Zeb uh, takes Callus to Lyrasan, which is the the planet that he had found to save his uh, people, and it showed Callus that not all the Lasats that you know he thought he murdered them all, they were not all dead, and they're thriving. And they welcomed him as one of their own. So very, very interesting plot there. Um, Hera gives birth to a child. And Sabine quotes, we all know who his father is. So um, basically, Kanan and Hera have a son named Jason, who is a pilot. And I believe that could be used in future storylines very easily. Um, So I thought that was very cool. And uh, she quotes, "Um, Hera fought in the Battle of Endor as did Commander Rex. So Rex is promoted, and they confirm that he was the one who fought on the Battle of Endor with Han Solo and Hera and everybody else. So it's very cool to see that. And then uh, it says, uh, Sabine says, you know, I thought I was supposed to protect his home, Ezra's home planet, but now I see what I really have to do. And then you see her with so much better-looking armor, And you get to see Ahsoka Tano in a white robe and uh, almost kind of like a a giant staff um, standing there. And they're going out to find where Ezra is because he's lost in the unknown regions of space with Grand Admiral Thrawn. So that is my description of Rebels. And, you know, when you see the whole story with these characters, it's really entertaining to see. It's fun to see the characters grow and develop, and see this amazing story unfold. So that is my case for the Star Wars Rebels TV series and explaining the story and why each of those things was so amazing because you can see yourself reflected in a lot of these characters. As in all good TV shows, you can see. And it shows you that you don't have to live in fear. Don't listen to the evil one. Do what's right. Love those who, uh, who you know, you know, no matter if they deserve it or not, which is what Jesus tells us to do. And make sacrifices for what's right. Which meaning do what you know is right no matter what. Fighting tyranny, fighting what you know is wrong. And it's an an incredibly enjoyable show for me. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, Yeah, so I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Droxide today. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. And I hope that you can now kind of see why the show is... So amazing if you were on the fence or if you didn't like it, you kind of see why there's the good parts to it. And if you enjoy it, I hope you enjoyed this breakdown of it and that you could uh, uh, see what, again, what's cool with this show. So that is uh, episode one of In the Case of series that I'm starting or storytelling series that I'm starting. Uh, We're going to be having one of these every month and um, I hope this is a good hook line for it. Uh, I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and remember that Jesus loves you.